We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Thursday, September 28th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Joining me is my colleague Mario Puig, who's exhausted, maybe, from watching every snap of every game. How long does that take you? Uh, it takes about two days and it's not as bad as you might think because that game pass or whatever has yeah. this commercial free version and you can kind of click ahead 10 seconds when there's this obvious penalty that's going to drag out for a bit. But yeah, it, it, it takes a little time and then, you know, it comes out to about 4,500 words, which takes some time, but yes, uh, it's, it's worth it obviously. Cause then it's, it's, uh, it's just kind of like doing the studying in advance that I'd have to do kind of like Thursday or Friday for the upcoming week anyway. Right. All right. It was really, I, I found out a lot this week, like I do every week. So um, it's a great job. Check it out, everybody at Rotowire. Um, before we get on to all of week four, one of the things that, that I noticed in, in, uh, in the film room was you, th- you think, and this pertains to tonight's game, which is Bears Packers, you thought Ty Montgomery kind of ran out of gas, and, and that could have an impact on his workload moving forward. Yeah. And they mentioned, uh, by the way, I mean, Mike McCarthy and, mentioned that uh, Ty Montgomery was kind of getting more work than he meant for him to get. And I thought going into week three, he had the most snaps played of a running back. 
in the league, which certainly seemed like that could have been the case. Just watching the Packers, he very rarely left the field. Jamal Williams came in a few times and probably Ripkowski a few times, but not very often. And I think Ty Montgomery is very good. I think it, I think it's good that they're you know featuring him prominently, but some kind of happy medium between last year when they underused him and this year where they've got him out there nearly every play would probably be the optimal thing, especially for a guy who's only you know a, a year and a half into playing the position. Right. All right. Um, everybody, we need to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now, fanball.com. Um, social media, catch us. Mario's at Rotowire Mario. I'm at JHelpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire and check out our news feed at Rotowire NFL. And of course, we're on Facebook. So uh, please, you can find us there too. Um, more on Bears Packers. We're basically, we're going to go through a little, a note or two or whatever from every game. Um, we'll try not to keep you too long, everybody. Actually, you do. You want to hang out with us for a while. Um, yeah. Cobb's back tonight. Sounds like so Geronimo. Sorry, he's out of the picture. Probably. I would guess so. Yeah. I mean, he, he's always plugged in in fantasy if one of those top three guys are out. But when they're in, it's just hard to see any room. Who do you like best of the uh, put it this way? You like Jordy best of the package receivers. Who's number always. two tonight? Uh, I would probably go with Cobb, I think, because part of this depends on how they use Devonte Adams. But just on a basic intuition level, they're not going to have the top two tackles for Green Bay, or at least I thought yesterday Balaga and, and Bakhtiari were both listed as doubtful, in which case they might have two guys who weren't on in the team a week ago starting <laughs> at tackle. I, I'm not even sure who's going to start, but uh, like the Don Barclay and last week's backup left tackle, Kyle Murphy, are both out for the year. Uh, Murphy was really bad, so that's not I don't think that can be much of a downgrade, but it can be a downgrade on the right side with Balaga out again. So the bears defense plays fiery and they, they got good scheming Vic Fangio, their defensive coordinator really knows how to build pressure on an offense. So I'm a little worried about Aaron Rodgers, and I think they might need to do some quicker passes, shorter drops than they might normally like to, because guys like Leonard Floyd uh, might be a problem in this setting. Yeah. The bear, the bears are not, we keep saying they're not terrible. They're not good, but they're not terrible. Um, yeah. What do you think about their running back usage tonight? Everybody is so funny. Last week, I feel like all I heard was, Oh man, after two weeks, the biggest bust in the first, you know, top 20 players is Jordan Howard that right. everybody I, hates yeah. him and it's over and oh boy, did we screw up and now yeah, not so much. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird offense too, because since they have no receivers and very little uh, activity at tight end, it's this weird NFL offense where no, almost all the usage just goes through these two running backs. And we saw last week there was room for both. Uh, when it was going wrong for Jordan Howard, it was as simple as that they were falling far enough behind that they just weren't giving him plays anymore. Um, and when he's on the field generally in those first two games, they were kind of selling out against the run because no one fears Glennon. And they saw when Tariq Cohen's on the field, they're more likely to pass. If Howard's on the field, let's conclude that they're going to run it. Uh, that didn't save the Steelers, obviously. Uh, Howard just d- steamrolled them anyway. And he's capable of that. Uh, I don't know... I can't expect him to be that good in any particular game. And in this game on a short week, when his shoulder was bothering him in the last game, you kind of wonder about that. But for what it's worth, Howard has a long history of playing through injury. He did it last year without much attention drawn to it. And at Indiana, he was game time decision for like half the season and he still had amazing numbers. But it's something you worry about, especially if if Rodgers has time to throw. Chicago will probably fall behind and Cohen get more snaps at his expense then. I actually, I have Howard 16 and Cohen 22 at running back. I mean, I think they're both viable. Cohen just gets, even as the sidekick is the change of pace, whatever you want to call it, he's going to get 12 touches, right? At least. Yeah. 
Yeah, at least like you might get 12 targets in the passing game and then get, you know, six to 10 carries. He's holding up really well so far. I'm a little bit worried about that 180 pound frame that he plays on, but he's look, he's looking very fast, very fresh right now. So he's not playing nicked up or anything. And as long as he's getting that usage, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's this weird thing Two running back, no receiver offense. I can't remember quite a thing like it. Okay. Um, we're going to go to saints dolphins next. Okay. First of all, non-fantasy, how on earth are the saints favored in this game? I guess it's just that Miami looked pretty bad against the jets and they looked so bad and out of sync that you almost wonder if it was just kind of an anomalous outcome there. Like, are they really capable of losing that game, you know, more than two times out of 10 or something like that. But when you're going against Drew Brees after the game that he had last, last week against the Panthers, I guess it's just one of those things you air on the side of, uh, you know, Drew Brees and, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion on this game. I feel like I can't get a pulse on either of these teams right now. And personnel wise, there's no good reason for Miami to not put up a lot of points on this defense, but it's just kind of, that was also the case last week. I feel like if I was, if I was a gambling person, which I may be, um, <laughs> the dolphins would be my favorite bet of the week at, really? at home. I mean, I still think the saints defense is bad. Yeah, right? it is. The Dolphins beat the, and the Chargers is bad. The Dolphins beat the Chargers. As bad as the Chargers are, they're not as bad as their record is. They're not terrible. They've they're they're snake bit right now, but they're not bad. And yeah. I just don't. And the Saints can't stop the run. Ajay's gonna. I don't. I just. I don't see this. For, I'm looking at this and I feel like either I'm missing something or everybody else's. I think it's just people are. You can't respect a team that lost pretty soundly to the Jets, but. Uh, it, like Ajayi in that game kind of got shut down in the box score, but on the tape, he was running really effectively. And yeah, like the saints defense, as you said, can't stop the run. If they, if the dolphins somehow lose the game, it's, I don't think it's because Jay Ajayi didn't put up numbers. And if he puts up numbers, then that could just kind of go very wrong for the saints because this is a guy who had three, 200 yard games last year. I thought he was running really hard last week against the jets and you know, going back home, that'll that'll probably be a nice setting for him to get going in this. All right. Um, other guy I want to talk about in this game, Devontae Parker. 19 targets yeah. in two games. I know there was some garbage time stuff last mm-hmm. week. But uh, he, I don't know. We can't say he's Cutler's favorite because Cutler threw a ton to Landry in the first game. Yeah. But De- Devontae Parker's going to get his, and he's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so, he was a bit hobbled in that game with the ankle, too. I don't know if that might have played a role in him not getting the targets until later. But yeah, one thing I was surprised about just watching that Dolphins offense is they didn't really seem to try to push the ball downfield. Like Kenny Stills even wasn't going downfield that much more of a possession function in that game. So I assume it was Parker who was mostly doing the downfield stuff, but either Jay Cutler wasn't looking downfield or the play calling was dictated such that the reads are shorter before they're longer. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem in Jay Cutler's nature to me to lean so heavily on a slot receiver and, you know, 15 targets in week one for Landry. I almost have to wonder if that's kind of just like a Gase offense construction, but in any case, that's not likely to change uh, going forward. So Parker hopefully can get going earlier in this one. If he, if his ankle's any better, you would think his chances of doing that are good. And whoever the ball is going to, I don't think the saints can cover any of these three receivers. I don't either. Um, all right. Falcons bills on um, the bills. Defenses looked Pretty darn good so far. Um, in the first week was the Jets, and, you know, they're the Jets. Second week, they looked very good against the Panthers. Uh, third week, they looked pretty strong against the Broncos. Do you think the Falcons at home 
are going to be the typical Falcons. I mean, right now the implied point total is 28.25, which is the highest on the board. Do, do you think the Falcons score plenty in this one? Yeah, I'm not afraid of the Buffalo defense for Atlanta at all, especially in Atlanta. I noticed that the spread has dropped from nine to seven and a half on this one site covers and the over under dropping a bit too. So I guess the public has some sort of amount of skepticism of, uh, or, you know, they believe in the Buffalo defense to the point that they're skeptical of Atlanta's offense, putting up and meeting expectations as they normally do. But when I look at the Buffalo defense, it's being run by Sean McDermott, who is kind of under Ron Rivera at Carolina. They run the defense the same as Carolina does. It's very press heavy man coverage. Uh, they try to get pressure with the front seven and they do because they're the front four at Buffalo is very good with Darius and Kyle Williams and Shaq Lawson and Jerry Hughes. But Atlanta's good at dealing with pass rushes like they, it's just something that they tend to account for well. And the thing about Buffalo's defense that I don't that, that, that I think will undo them eventually and particularly against a team like Atlanta is the secondary is just small and slow. They don't have good personnel back there and you get away with that when your pass rush is great and, and you know, cutting down the time that they have to cover by a second and a half every play. But I don't think they can deal with this wide receiver personnel at, at Atlanta. And I, I don't think they're going to get to Ryan fast enough. I think when they do that press coverage at the press man coverage with a little safety help, these corners are not going to be able to run with the receivers that the Falcons have. And I don't think the safeties can cover Austin Hooper either. If they try to get him involved, they haven't yet, but that, that just feels like it has to change pretty soon. He has t- two targets in each game when last year he was probably even busier as a backup uh, through this part of the year. So that feels like that has to change pretty soon. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Why, why do you think that? I mean, is there anything you saw? I mean, it's hard for you to see anything if they're only thrown to him twice. He's, he's running right. routes, right? Yeah. And it's the, he's playing, I think, 40 or more snaps in every game. They, they get the toy Lolo, the blocker in there a good amount, too. But I, I don't know if it's it feels like Mohamed Sanu has been a little more prominent than last year. And maybe that's just, a, you know, something that happened for no particular reason. And it might swing the other way and specifically to Hooper's benefit. But I, I just think Hooper's a pretty decent player. Like, I'm not, I don't think he's like a star or anything, but. He's good enough that he merits more than two targets in a game if he's playing 40 or 50 snaps. Like that's something I would expect if he was playing 25 snaps. So we'll see. I mean, it, his target rate is lagging behind last year uh, on a per snap basis. And it feels like that just has the pendulum has to swing back the other way. OK, um, Steelers Ravens. You mentioned you talked about the Dolphins earlier. You said, you know, maybe that was some sort of anomaly, you know. It's just they 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 threw such a stinker against the Jets that you're like it can't I don't know what happened but you know maybe yeah. it's just a fluke. I feel that way about the Ravens. Now I don't think the Ravens' offense is very good. Right. I think the defense probably is. Mm-hmm. I hate this spot for the Steelers. Like they're you couldn't pay me to pay to play Ben Roethlisberger. Not just with the home road splits, but there's I mean I just I did my rankings this morning. I just buried him. I don't want, yeah. I, I think the Steelers could score 10 points or less. I think that's the right move. And the thing with Roethlisberger is he just looks really bad to me. Like through the three games, he has okay enough numbers. If you just look at quarterback rating, but when you watch the tape, he's missed a lot of throws and a lot of the throws that did land uh, to his receivers were plays, especially Antonio Brown bailing him out from plays that could have easily been intercepted. He looks just kind of, I don't know if it's lackadaisical or if he's, just not reading the defenses right, but he doesn't look at all correct. Like his accuracy isn't there. The, the decisions that he makes don't seem very good. I'm wondering if he's just kind of a, 
he was more serious about that retirement talk than we might have guessed. And mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, he, he seems to put a fine enough velocity on it. It doesn't look like a hurt quarterback just, you know, trying to get through like Cam Newton. But he's been terrible. And I don't. Yeah. Going into Baltimore, I can't imagine that being, you know, like a, a, a sort of therapeutic setting for him to get over this problem that he has because he's he looks like basically Jay Cutler at his low points before Miami. Like when we'd see him with the bears and we're just like, what is this guy doing? Like he has a strong arm. He, he, he knows how to play football, but it's like, he's just not really doing it. And Roethlisberger kind of has that same look about him and you, you never can, you know, rule out the possibility of great receivers like Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant kind of just bailing him out somehow, but you wouldn't expect it against the Ravens. Right. Um, what Ravens running back would you start if you had to? Jeez. <sighs> uh, Javorius. But that's just because of the passing work that it doesn't – however much of a threat Alex Collins is, I don't think it's at all as a passing down back. I don't think he can really catch the ball that well. Um, and then chasing the you know the, the traditional running back function in that offense where Allen's got a bit of a hand in it and then otherwise it's at, at best a split between West and Collins. I don't really feel like speculating on that whole thing, especially when the Steelers' defense is competent at least. I don't expect – whatever lead ball carrier, you know, for, for Baltimore, whoever it is, I don't expect them to do much against Pittsburgh. Whereas with Allen, he might at least get, you know, five catches in, in garbage time or just, just because no one else is open or whatever. Uh, but it, it generally looks pretty bleak on the Baltimore offense right now, but it, it also can't be as bad as last week. All right, everybody, most of you have tried daily fantasy sports and I know how it went. You had fun, you liked it, and you lost, and you lost, and you lost, and the Sharks were in there and they took your money. And, you know, a lot of you might have quit playing, but playing daily fantasy is supposed to be fun and we're here to tell you about a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports, the fanball number at fanball.com. Here's the fanball difference. You want to hear it? Okay. Your fanball number identifies your skill level and ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your fanball number is, let's say, you know, 40, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s. They have their own contests. At fanball.com, every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around that 40 where you're supposed to be and you know that it'll have players just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the fanball number at fanball.com. It'll give you more fun and a better chance to win. Check it out now, the fanball number at fanball.com. Um, Bengals Browns is Isaiah Crowell going to get back on track or what? I, I would, I wouldn't be able to rule it out, but I can't pr- exactly see it either. Um, I don't know the exact explanation for his struggles. We can watch him physically. He looks fine. He in, in open space, he runs well with the ball, but I, I don't know if it's a matter of misreading his blocks. I, I saw that Ernest Biner, the former Browns running back on Twitter prior to last week was, was posting this one thing on Twitter, a video clip from the previous game. And he was explaining that Crowell was basically misreading blocks in that one. So if that's part of the problem, that would make some sense because the production obviously hasn't been there. And uh, if he's not hurt, it has to be something else that, that isn't explained physically. And then of course the, as much of a problem or bigger is that the Browns kind of need to get the, the ball to Juke Johnson more. And that's almost certainly going to be at Crowell's expense. So Whatever he's doing wrong, he's got to stop doing it or else he might just start losing the opportunity to get it right at all. Because I think we were in the preseason. I don't mean me, we, you and me. I mean, generally the, the fantasy industry had crawl is probably, you know, they bought it. Everybody bought into you, Jackson, saying he was going to run the ball a lot. And crawl was basically rated as a top 15 running back. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was not a fan of where he was going to me. He was kind of like a sixth, seventh round pick and he was usually going in the third, but even if you got him the sixth or seventh round, he's been a, a bust so far. So it's, it's hard to explain why he's been so bad when last year he was pretty good. It, it seemed like he established some sort of floor last year at least, but there just hasn't been one this year. And Duke Johnson's doing great in the meantime, not, not as much as a ball carry. Obviously he doesn't get the ball that much, but you watch his touchdown run last week and it's clear like Kroll can't do that. Right. Like there's, there's no way Kroll can do that. And the Browns aren't so obviously they're not so good in the rest of their offense that they can have the luxury of leaving that kind of talent on the sideline. If there's no better alternative. All right. Um, how much does Burfecht's return affect the Bengals defense? Uh, it helps, I guess it has to help, but their run defense has never been that great. Generally, uh, as however long Burfecht's been there, they, they always just tend to be a middling defense in Cincinnati in all respects. They have their highest points and lowest points sprinkled along that stretch. But this, this is for a coach who is supposed to be a defensive wizard, Marvin Lewis. Like they just have a very bland way of playing and, uh, whatever you, whatever reason you might have to not play Kroll, I wouldn't let perfect be part of it. Okay. Um, Rams Cowboys. If Sammy Watkins can play now this, we're recording this Thursday morning. Uh, I'm, we're about 10 o'clock Eastern time right now. Sammy Watkins uh, was limited at Wednesday's practice. He's still in the concussion protocol, so we're not sure if he gets out. Let's say he gets out and he's all good. And he's cleared. Another good game here. The t- last week, big numbers, target count, not huge. Yeah. Do you know uh, how soon in that game he was knocked out with that concussion? I don't. Okay, because yeah, I, he was not getting used that much in the first two weeks. I thought that might have been, you know, it could have been just for no reason. It might have been just incidental, but I thought that might have been because they were kind of like saving him up for something bigger, and it kind of looked like that was it against the 49ers, but then it's like, why would you save up your best tricks for the 49ers? Like, you probably could have used those against Washington when you lost the week before, but Watkins is, I think he's awesome. I don't know why they wouldn't try to get him the ball more often, and Maybe it was just kind of, uh, you know, he started slow because he was a relatively recent addition to the team compared to some of the other receivers that they had. Maybe Goff just still is learning his his tendencies, his timing tendencies. I don't know. But the talent between the talent gap between him and Woods and Cup is enormous, in my opinion. Like those guys are competent at a lot of things. But I think Watkins has star power in this league. And he was showing that kind of that ceiling against the 49ers. And if he's in. In any particular game, I probably like him. I like his chances of getting open against like almost anybody. I, I do worry right. about the usage. All right. And he did. He got hurt in the fourth quarter, by the way. Okay. So, um, all right. Titans, Texans. Um, a, a big, uh, good, nice job to Sean Watson, by the way. Yeah. With donating the game check to the three ladies in the cafeteria. That's just, that, that's just fantastic. Oh, wait, what did he do? He donated... His, there are three women in the Texans team cafeteria who apparently lost. I mean, the, the, the stories I read said, quote, lost everything. I don't know exactly what okay. that means. He donated his, his first week's game check to those three women. Nice. Gave it to them. And, you know, I think it was like you know, nine grand each or something. So the guy's making, not that he's poor, he's going to be, you know, he's got money and he's going to make plenty. $460,000 so divided by 17, you know, he gets his game check. So he's not making, you know, 20 million yet. Yeah. You know he's only mean? on like a 2 million or something. Probably. Right. No, he's four six. Literally. I saw it was 460,000. What? If that can that oh, be right? So, maybe, maybe that's, that's the wow, base that's and not the signing bonus. Maybe that's it. 
Yeah, I just I thought all those I thought if you were a first round pick, you basically like I, th- I figured like the 32nd pick is something like one point two five million and then it gets up to like seven or eight at the top five or something like that. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's a lot more generous than a lot of people. Most people in his position would have been. Yeah, that's a great job by him. Um, yeah. And I like him in fantasy, by the way. So um, in this particular game, I just just generally because I love that. I know he's going to tuck it and run. And I keep yeah. saying that. Um it is, it is so what what do you think of the Texans backfield right now? Foreman's kind of creeping in on on Lamar Miller's territory. Yeah, as long as Deshaun Watson's mostly a Hopkins or run it kind of quarterback, I think it makes I think it makes it a possibility that both Foreman and Miller have room uh to be productive in this offense. I don't think I don't think Foreman's going to phase out Miller. I think it's more like they're finding ways to accommodate Foreman because, you know, in a, in a more functional offense with a, a more experienced quarterback, you'd probably have a second receiver, maybe even a third who makes a consistent impact. But right now there's no usage really if it doesn't go to Hopkins. So might as well rechannel that into the backfield some way when you have someone as big and fast as Foreman. And uh, he's shown a bit more as a pass catcher than we would have expected from him so far. Obviously he had 60 yards on a couple catches and, uh, yeah, he looks slimmer than he did at Texas, and he already looked very fast at Texas. So if he's playing around like 230, 225 right now, he's got reliable 4-4 speed. But so does Miller when he's healthy. So these are guys who just both uh, pretty fast, pretty big. And Miller's a very good pass catcher. We'll find out more about Foreman as he as he goes. But it looks like it's going to be a kind of thing where Miller gets like 15 carries and Foreman gets 10. And there's there's a way that they can both have some kind of usefulness, like not exactly Devontae Foreman, Tevin Coleman, but you know, poor man's version of that. Okay. Um, on the other side, what do you think of the backfield switch there? Last week, Murray was banged up during the week. And we, we thought, you know, they said, oh, Derrick Henry's going to get used a lot, whether Murray plays or not. Well, it turns out that Henry got banged up a little bit. You yeah. Know, and, and missed a little bit of time. They both played. They, I mean, you know, carry-wise, they were split right down the middle. What do you think happens here? I would guess that it just kind of stays the same. Murray's the lead guy. Henry gets up to like maybe 10, 12 touches if he can. I don't know what the status is with his health, but Murray looked okay last week. I, I prefer Henry just as a talent, but they're committed to Murray. And I, I don't think, uh, I think it would take Murray actually missing games for Henry to really change that status quo. And right now that's just not really an option. All right. Um, Lions Vikings. So last week, I mean, I looked at this last week. I think a lot of people did. You went into last week's game. You saw that Keenum was going to play. And you went, oh, man, I totally have to fade Diggs and Thielen. Yep. And Diggs blew up. Was this Thielen too. Yeah. Not, not, a, not a fluky occurrence? If you're a Diggs owner and Keenum plays for a few more weeks, you're, you're, you're all good, ready to roll? In this one game against the Steelers, Keenum was straight up just very good. And I wasn't expecting that. And he doesn't have a very good arm. So I can imagine there being a way defenses can adjust to that long ball that, uh, he was throwing just brilliantly in this game. Like his deep accuracy, I would say very few quarterbacks have as much as case Keenan, which is, it's shocking to hear that out loud. You wouldn't guess it looking at his numbers previously, but you know, maybe it's just turned out that Jeff Fisher really was that bad with the Rams <laughs> and golf. It always looks comes like back new- to that. Doesn't it? It, it seems like just kind of a lazy hack thing to say, but it, it really seems true right now, at least because Case Keenum and Jared Goff are, are both looking very good right now. And uh, it helps to have Thielen and Diggs, too, of course. I mean, it, it, part of why Keenum 
I, I have higher expectations for at this point is just because he's in a favorable situation. Um, it's, it's, if you're an average quarterback or more, you can probably do something pretty good. Like Bradford, as well as he was playing, I don't think any of us would put him in like the top 10 quarterbacks or anything. So if, as long as Keenum can keep hitting that deep ball, which he did multiple times in this game, like throws very dark, very far downfield and just perfect timing, perfect placement. It's something you don't see very often. Um, you do worry about the low velocity catching up to him. If defenses just sit deep, are they going to, you know, put a robber in the middle of the field that can catch up to a sailing pass that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, needed to be a tight window kind of throw and he can't do it. That that's kind of how it would go wrong for Keenum, I think. But the Lions, they have an OK defense. Not a great one, though, I, as good as they did against Matt Ryan. Like one of those interceptions was just Mohamed Sanu dropping the ball and the guy or tipping it basically. And somebody caught it. Um, their, their personnel is only OK. Their pass rush personnel is not good. I feel like with Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and, and Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph on the field, th- there's no good excuse for for Keenum not to do well in this one too. But of course, he's not going to catch anyone by surprise, like he did the Steelers. And you you love Dalvin Cook right now, don't you? Yeah, he's he looked really great. I mean, week one I was a little disappointed against the Saints. Like he he looked quick, like we always expect him to. But I think he was a little bit unsure of himself in hindsight because uh, he didn't have anywhere near that sort of just uh, you know that that next level sort of speed and quickness and decisiveness that he showed against the Steelers. Like that was a defense that was, or, or sorry, the, the Buccaneers, um, uh, that, that was a defense that was, you know, pretty good against the run, like very good against the run. Actually, whenever they have Levante David and Gerald McCoy, they're really good. Um, I, I, th- I think that if cook plays anywhere near that level, he's locked in as a top five running back. You worry about durability, his shoulder and hamstring were both problems at Florida state. But he he just looks nuts right now, I think. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. All right. Panthers, Pats. Um, man, man, the Panthers. I mean, you, you mentioned Cam in your article. You mentioned him early here. You think he looks hurt? Yeah, he's he's definitely recovering from that shoulder surgery to repair a torn labrum. And um, our own Jeff Stotts, injury expert, had kind of foreseen this before the season. He said, you know, these things, they, they need to, rec- they need more time to recover and they tend to build up arm strength as the season goes on if they don't have a setback. And so the slow start made sense. I, it, it was a little shocking to see just how much his arm strength had deteriorated though. When you watch Cam Newton these first few weeks, there are these throws that are for just like 10 yard in routes, like 15 yard in routes, eight yard curls where he's doing these big windups just to get the ball to the, to the receivers there. And that's a throw in the past. He would barely need to flick, you know, half of his wrist and it right. just zips out for 40 yards. He can't do that right now. And he's, he's, he's laboring to the point that he's altering his throwing motion, which throws off all of his timing and mechanics. So even, even the easy throws, he might not, you can't really take it for a given because, uh, you know, the, the foot setup, the timing, everything, the torque is all compromised and, it's it's just it's not good. Yeah, I don't know when it might get better, but if you can't put up something against the Saints, it's like you're, you you know, can't use them. All right. Um, if Benjamin can't play, 
he didn't practice Wednesday. Are, are you good? Are you good starting Funchess on your average run of the mill fantasy team? I think there's a lot of people in 12 team leagues. If you have a couple injuries that it makes sense to look at Funchess, I, I believe in him as a prospect. I don't know how good he is in the meantime, because he's always been very raw. He was always a player who realistically wasn't going to break out until he was like 24, 25, 26. Uh, I think he might still be 23, uh, but he looks pretty good this year. He's, he's getting open quite a lot. He's been playing in the slot a bit more, I think, with Olsen out, which makes sense because Olsen, even though he was a tight end, they use him kind of as a slot receiver a bunch of times. As, as athletic as he is, that makes sense. And Funches used to be a tight end at Michigan. So that part of the field is something that he's he's used to. And the targets otherwise, you know, where are they going to go? Uh, if Benjamin's out, they have to go to Funches. He got 10 last week. Didn't do that much with them. But if, if he's getting 10 targets, that's in fantasy. That's something that you, you know, kind of just have to play at just the odds, even if it's ugly are that it's going to be 10 targets as some kind of useful production. So, uh, when you have, when your alternatives are guys that you don't know if they're going to get eight, it's like, right. it's kind of fun. Just makes some sense at least and and garbage time could make it all worth it at the very least. All right. Um, jets, Jags looks like Matt Forte, uh, turf toe, not going well. Is yeah. You're not playing with that. Bilal Powell. Is this the week? If we drafted him in round five, is this it? Uh, if you, yeah, if you got him in round five, I mean, it's the, the options otherwise might be short anyway. So that can kind of answer the question for a lot of people. But I, I don't know what to make of Powell. He's a player that I have trouble being fair with because I was always lower on him than most people. And I, I just don't believe that he's good. But on some level, you know, this kind of usage that he's projected for means that he has fantasy value, even if you don't. Yeah, it's like kind of like the fungus thing, even if you don't think he's going to do well in real life terms, it's like the usage might be there kind of like Jockeys Rogers a couple weeks ago. He did terrible against uh, the bears, but got a touchdown because he got right. 20 carries or whatever. So that could happen with Powell here. His pass, his passing down work has lagged severely and you would expect that to change at the very least. Cause yeah, 75 targets last year as a, as a part-time player uh, right now, he's only got eight and he had none last week, but that was a game they were winning. They don't usually do that. Uh, Jacksonville probably won't develop a big lead or anything, but Jacksonville should be considered a pretty big favorite in this. And if they fall behind the, the receiving work should come back in for Powell, but you do worry about Elijah McGuire who he fumbled last week, but the last couple of weeks, he's basically been a one third split with Powell and Forte. Right. So you can imagine it being a one and one half, one half scenario this time. And I, I think McGuire, even though he's not like a great prospect or anything, his prospect profile is such that he's one of those guys you just kind of have to worry about a little bit because he can he can catch the ball too. He's a really good pass catcher. All right, yeah, he's my my, my Scott Fishball team. I'm starting Elijah McGuire this week. That is the state of my running back. I mean, state you're uh, just just be glad you know you got it from Elijah McGuire and not the the fifth round pick on Powell. I think they I got the the basically identical production for them this week. Got it. Okay, um, Niners Cardinals. Um, you you would I don't know if you would think that the Cardinals will have an easier time running this week, but Chris Johnson did not look good. Right. Andre Ellington kinda did, don't you think? Yeah, and this is this is one of those things that's so weird to to analyze because Andre Ellington disappeared for like three years or something. Right. But this is a guy who before he disappeared entirely was like briefly one of the hottest names in fantasy football, and that was uh was that his rookie year when he it was, was it a was, six round pick and kind of got hot after they had some other injuries? I can't remember who that would have been if it was like 
Tim Hightower or something like that. But uh, yeah, he was a player who was just awesome at Clemson and he was really great early in the NFL, but he got hurt a bunch. Like he always has been hurt back at Clemson. He was hurt all the time. And it's, it was never a reason I think to assume that he lost everything. So it was kind of weird to me how he disappeared to the extent that he did. And when he did those things uh, against Dallas, it was like, well, yeah, we knew he could do these things. Like it's, it's harder to answer the question. Like why weren't they using him at all? Um, but I think he can keep doing it. I thought Johnson looked pretty good the week before the Dallas game, but, uh, that obviously didn't carry over against the Colts. He looked, I think pretty decent, but I don't know if, uh, conditioning, the lack of conditioning caught up or something. I thought he looked a little thin in that Colts game. So I don't know how much he's been, you know, trying to keep weight on or whatever, but Ellington is a good enough player that if Johnson stumbles at all, I, I do think Ellington can take it. And it seems like in the meantime, the worst case scenario is, He's got kind of a stranglehold on the passing down work. Yep, absolutely. Um, and all those, everybody, if you invested money on Kerwin Williams a few weeks ago in Fab, we're sorry. It's yeah, I don't know how he's been. Like he, he's a, I think, a pretty decent player for a backup. But the problem was, I guess, uh, thinking he might get like the feature back role because I was, I, I put in low bids on him, but I, he was going for like thirty dollars in some of my leagues, and I was like, does everyone think he's going to be doing like David Johnson workload? Like I didn't. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but yeah, obviously getting, getting a goose egg is, is not something I expected. Um, Eagles chargers uh, after last week, are, are you worried about rivers? Yeah, he didn't look right in that last game to me. And I didn't pay clo- as close attention in his first two games as I did this one, but he has always been a bit of a sidearm guy, at least occasionally, but it seemed like his motion was a little bit different than even that at a lot, a lot of the throws in this game. And it, I, I have no evidence of this, but it just kind of looked to me like a guy who might've been trying to kind of alter his mechanics a little bit to generate velocity that wasn't coming naturally to him. And I don't know if that means he's, if he's got some kind of elbow or uh, shoulder kind of issue, but he seemed to be doing kind of like what Cam Newton did a little differently in terms of the specific aesthetic, but he was seemingly just kind of changing the way he threw to account for something that was interrupting his normal way of throwing. And that's never something you want to see because uh, they're not like a, acknowledging any kind of injury. Not that it would be great solace if they did, but there's just something that's amiss here. I feel like, and going against the Eagles pass rush, I don't want anything to do with him this week. Okay. Um, as far as the receivers go, other than Keenan Allen, I mean, I got people saying, you know, Hey, it was so fun. I think a month ago, we, a lot of us were excited about Tyrell Williams. And this week I've got people saying, can I drop him? Yeah. This. Uh, and Hunter Henry, r- same thing. Yeah. Hunter Henry is, it's just going to be like every other week kind of thing. And you'll, you'll never be able to guess right. Uh, because it's, it's just, he, he literally had no targets or eight targets in every game this year. Uh, so it's, I don't know. See, that's, I don't see that changing because Antonio Gates needs to leave before it does. But Tyrell Williams is a player I still believe in talent wise. Definitely. But Rivers isn't a good enough quarterback in his current form to support more than like one, maybe two receivers a week. And the question of whether it's Williams or Benjamin is a coin flip, you know, so it's hard to predict anything other than Keenan Allen getting his target. So, yeah, he's definitely in. Even if Rivers looks bad, Allen can get going. But Tyrell, I I still believe in, but I, I am admittedly a bit nauseous about the shares that I have because I just don't think rivers is going to put up enough volume. Okay. Um, everybody raise your hand. If you want less than you thought at daily fantasy football last season, 
if you're playing against, you know, the, the, the big hitters with 100 entries, you know, it sounds nice, but more often than not, it's just not going to work out. But if you're tired of losing at Daily Fantasy Football, check out Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Let's Rumble, and that's Rumble without any at the end, matches you with players of the same skill level, giving you a fair chance every time. You can play head-to-head for your best chance of winning or group up to play multiple rivals for a bigger payout. Rank in the weekly leaderboards to win free cash prizes. You heard that right. Free cash prizes awarded every week. All you have to do is play the game, and you'll be entered in the leaderboards. Your highest score will determine your spot that week. Download Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store and get a free $5 bonus with your deposit. That's Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Check it out. Thanks, Let's Rumble. Um, Giants Bucks. I mean, you talked about usage with Jekwiz Rogers. Is there a startable running back in this game? Sorry, is Doug Martin is back, right? No. Oh, he's not. It's week three. It's week. It's the three game suspension in the week one cancellation doesn't count. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. So Jackie's Rogers. I don't like, I think when Doug Martin comes back, it's a wrap. I don't, I don't think Rogers would be on a lot of teams in this league. The Tampa Bay's affinity form is just weird to me. Um, the giants, I don't know what to make of Eli Manning's game against the Eagles. It was a much better game from him than I expected. It was still ugly in a lot of ways, but he exceeded my expectations against that team. I thought that pass rush was just going to make him an embarrassment, but he made the game close despite some turnovers. And if he can make it a similar scenario against Tampa Bay, then that definitely removes Rogers for me. If Eli reverts to his form from the first two weeks, then you can imagine Tampa Bay getting such short fields that uh, like the Chicago game, Rogers could score just because of, you know, getting so many carries in a enemy territory basically. But it's not something I want to, bet on exactly like I, I don't think Rodgers is good enough to get himself there so it would take some short fields and and a lot of volume I think for him to produce and it could happen it's just it's it's a few more conditions than I would like to bet on am I crazy I think the Giants could win this game no uh, the Buccaneers looked like a mess last week and I don't I don't understand what exactly happened okay like that that they didn't they did not put up any resistance to the Vikings and even though uh, I definitely like the players on the Vikings that hurt them a lot but James Winston was disappointing. Uh, I don't, I don't like the way Tampa Bay handles their personnel. Generally, they should have Chris Godwin on the field, but they don't. But you, you would expect like Mike Evans to be fine in this game just because of who he is. Deshaun Jackson, I would imagine, uh, gets open actually quite a bit in this, but he was getting open more in last week's game than you would have guessed from his box score. Like he had Trey Wayne's beat for a touchdown that would have been probably like a 40 yarder or something like that. And Winston instead of throwing ahead when Jackson had room, he, he beat Wayne's. He like tossed up a duck and Wayne's had enough time to run up under it and intercept it. So, uh, plays like that can't happen if Tampa Bay is going to win. But if, if Winston hits those kinds of throws, I, I think Jackson should be open and Evans doesn't need to be open to catch the ball. All right. Raiders Broncos. I feel like the narrative here is, oh, no, the poor Raiders are going to Denver and the Broncos are going to shut them down. I don't know if I completely buy it. They didn't shut the Chargers down, right? Yeah. So, so I, I, I don't have a strong opinion on this game. You do kind of, I think, have to tr- try to account for the weird factor of, of Mile High Stadium. Like Things just can kind of get wacky there. I don't know if it's as simple as the thinness of the air or some other mystical factor in that area, but things can just get kind of weird there. But with one thing I won't worry about is the Oakland offensive line collapsing like it did two weeks in a row. Uh, Washington's personnel in the front seven is just really good. And people don't know a lot about Preston Smith generally, but he's an elite pass rusher. They got Ryan Kerrigan, who most people know of on the other side. 
Uh, Jonathan Allen, their first round pick was doing quite a bit against the Raiders. I think that offensive line will bounce back in this one. And I don't think that the Raiders defense is so bad that Simeon and CJ Anderson and those guys are automatic, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning because I would think that, uh, other than that Tennessee game, I haven't really seen the Raiders passing game working quite like I, as I expected. And certainly not Amari Cooper who in his case, it's as simple as a lot of drops basically, right? Uh, the usage is there and I believe in the talent, but you don't consider uh, Denver, especially with their cornerback personnel, like a get right spot. Exactly. That's true. I mean, are you, are you fading? I mean, if you own Cooper, you're not, I mean, I'm benching. No, yeah, I'm starting him. If are I you start Lynch, if you have him, uh, probably, I think like he looks really good every time I've watched him this year. He looks basically like the Marshawn Lynch we last saw and Denver's run defense has been very good, but I still am not sold on their personnel. You'd kind of think they have to play the pass a little bit in this one just because of Carr being there and those receivers being there. So I don't think they're going to exactly sell out against the run or anything. Uh, yeah, I would probably start Lynch in most season long cases, especially since you're generally picking him like, you know, the fifth round to get him. Right. What about Carr? How much do you dislike or like Carr? I don't think he's going to have a, a game nearly as bad as the one against Washington, but I don't uh, like him exactly. Not. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, that would obviously be a catastrophe for Oakland, but I don't like him that much anyway. Like I'm a little bit skeptical of him. Uh, not, not in terms of like, I don't, I don't think he's bad or anything. It's just that when the questions start to change more to like, is he a top five quarterback? I'm definitely out on that. Like, I don't think he's that good. Um, I think he needs to start moving the ball more downfield for him to get to that level. And again, it's just, it's not a get right spot, at least, you know, not by conventional wisdom, but the stadium, the setting is weird. The defense obviously has the best cornerback personnel in the league. So he could have a good game. It's just, it's, I think objectively the odds are like, a, it's among the worst bets of the week could happen because weird things happen in the NFL all the time. It was, it would have been a terrible bet to say he'd have the game he had against Washington too, but it happened anyway. Um, Colt Seahawks, uh, in your film study article, I was reading about, you, you think that, uh, Jacoby Brissett is, uh, is better than your average running quarterback. Is that fair to say? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He's even at North Carolina state, he was doing amazing things of just, uh, there was, there were more than a handful of plays where you could count like three, four broken, uh, I would say tackles, but like they all would, be, would have been sacks, but he, he just, he just sheds these guys like they're fleas or something. And, uh, he's pretty athletic once he gets into the open field too. He's not like a, a fast guy or anything, but he's a dangerous runner because he he removes defenders from a play by just shaking their tackle, and then there's not many guys left to tackle him at that point. So he's a dangerous runner. The two touchdowns that he had last week is definitely indicative of what he's capable of in in the average week. But going to Seattle, not the average week, and they're obviously a bit uh, struggling right now too in Seattle. But the defensive personnel is still great and they're always a bit different in Seattle than they are other places. So as much as I like Brissett as, as especially a runner, I definitely don't really have any interest in him this week. Okay. Even in a two quarterback league, not into it. Oh, well that's a little different. I, mean, I that's guess top 24 can, basically. So that's where, you know, does the Seattle defense knock him down enough to keep him out of that? Uh, that's tough. Yeah. To be totally transparent, I haven't done two quarterback stuff, so I, I'm right. not the best authority on it, but I guess in that in that setting, all you really need is like one rushing touchdown because he's 
probably going to get you like 150 yards passing or something. Definitely worry about a few turnovers, but uh, if they do blitz too much, if they do like an all out blitz on him and uh, he can make one or two guys miss and then get a nice, you know, 20, 30 yards out of it. Okay. Um, the other thing in that game, Russell Wilson, you talked to me, you used this for term, a get right spot. Is this a get right spot for Russell Wilson? looks like it. I, I mean, he had, he had a really nice end of game box score last week. It was pretty much all in the second half and Tennessee has among the worst coverage personnel. So that, that kind of was a get right spot for him. And it almost wasn't like the first half had a lot of broken, uh, pass plays cause the, the pass blocking was still terrible. It's, it should be a get right spot, but it's it's hard to know with this offensive line because the various hyperboles we use to describe bad offensive line play, they tend to fall short for these guys. I don't think they exactly got better in the second half against Tennessee. I think it's just Russell Wilson kind of transcended like he tends to do, at least occasionally. Um, but Indianapolis's pa- uh, pass rushing personnel is not very good, so it should be okay. It's just you just really do wonder how low this offensive line group can go. And I think they can probably fail against anybody. So Russell Wilson might need to transcend two weeks in a row, but at home he he has a better history of doing that than on the road. All right. Last one skins chiefs on Monday night. What what's up with Terrell Pryor? Their last two weeks, four targets is this. Someone said to me, is Terrell Pryor a buy low? Someone asked me on Twitter and I went, um, I think so, but I don't know. Yeah, I think he is, but it's definitely been a a few bitter missed opportunities for him. And I think week one is is more what to expect going forward in terms of usage. I I would imagine Kirk Cousins did kind of push him further back in his mind after seeing those drops. But the thing is, the targets haven't really been going anywhere else. Like Ryan Grant's the only thing that I can see that's different from the way this offense was running previously. And even he's only kind of a part-time thing. It's not like Jameson Crowder got 12 targets last week. And um, you would think Jordan Reed remains the lead pass catching target. If he, if he's in the game, I don't know what to make of his status, but Terrell Pryor still looks huge and fast. And a couple of these plays that were missed were just, you can just imagine it easily enough being like this quarterback and this receiver haven't worked together before. Um, Maybe it never gets better. I don't know. But Terrell Pryor is getting open. Like, that's one thing. And if Cousins isn't looking toward him, he's kind of just undoing himself. It's it's not to his benefit to to go to Ryan Grant instead of Terrell Pryor. Uh, Josh Doxson could change things, I guess. But they only gave him two targets. Like, Cousins isn't looking to him either. Right. Like, he's been playing a lot of snaps, and Cousins has not looked to him, which... Uh, that's on him. I mean, you got to get the ball to your best players and, and no matter how bad the look is when someone drops a pass when they're open, it's like you got to worry about the longer outcome, not just, you know, the the ugly aesthetic of a dropped pass can't overrule, uh, you know, reliable projected outcomes and throwing to Ryan Grant like, yeah, he'll catch the ball, but you're also going to punt after he doesn't get the first down. Right. Like it, I don't know what I don't know why that would stick so much in his mind, but Doxon wasn't a guy who dropped passes. He just like never got the chance to prove himself in the first place. And he's definitely better than Grant. I think Doxon profiles as an eventual number one receiver in the NFL if he stays healthy. So that's the bigger worry for me for prior, but it doesn't explain what's happened so far because he hasn't been the guy getting targets at his expense. All right. That wraps it for our uh, 
week four game by game preview. Everybody listening to our podcast can get you a free 10 day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, Mario, what else are you working on now that the uh, you are out of the dark, dingy film room? So this uh, today I'm going to put up a preview of the Thursday game. And also we've been doing this thing, uh, the future barometer, which uh, we had the barometer for a long time where it's basically noting the ups and downs of people's fantasy stock. But the future barometer, it's trying to look at guys who you won't pick up this week, but who might be, you know, a fab consideration in a week or two or more. So uh, like last week. I did Elijah McGuire. I didn't expect him to end up in the mainstream just one week later. I, th- I thought we were a few weeks away for him yet. But guys like that show up. Uh, talked about Trent Taylor in the first one, and he he scored last week. So kind of like low-profile rookies and, and young guys and just kind of talking about who they are and how it might go right. And then Friday we got just kind of like the weekly preview thing. So, yeah, I got, got a lot to do yet. And, you know, in the film room, I, I have this image of you in this – room by yourself with a folding chair and a projector and a big screen. <laughs> yeah, we've made great advances in technology. So <laughs> instead it's, it's just me like sitting on a couch with like, you know, crumbs all around me and nice uh, at kombucha and coffee bottles next to me. All right. Good. I haven't tried kombucha yet. It's all right. It's uh, I, I, there's supposed to be some kind of like good bacteria in it for your stomach or something. And I'm, I'm not at all qualified to know if any of that's true, but I'll I'll just believe it if someone tells me. Right. So. Basically, you buy, you know, you read some article and someone says it's good for you. You're like, oh, OK, great. I'll try. That. Yeah. You, you can't get drunk on it like Michael Floyd said he did, though. So that's <laughs> that's one thing. Don't. Don't expect that result. All right. Um, everybody, if you like this podcast, please leave a review and a rating. And remember, on Twitter, he's at Rotowire Mario. I'm at Hoppin 37 Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode's coming on Friday. We're going to wrap up the preparations for week four. It's going to be Derek Van Riper and me, so come on back then. For Mario Puig, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.